Welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Uh, amen. Uh, it's great to be able to be here. For the last few weeks, the school's been closed, so we've met elsewhere. We've got a very first century feel as we've met in house churches of sorts, uh, which is very exciting. But this is the first time in the new year we're back here at Burlingham Miranda on a Sunday, which is exciting. I know uh, we're not quite filled out yet. The UVA group's not quite back yet. PVCC starts tomorrow, I believe, so they're, they're trickling, trickling back in. Uh, uh, yeah, JMU starts tomorrow, but they're trickling in. Uh, the Harrisonburg crew stayed back. They're having their service at 2 p.m. today in Harrisonburg, uh, and so uh, as they usually are with us here. But it's good to see everybody. It's good to be back. Uh, I want to welcome everybody. It's exciting always to have a, a new year to look forward uh, and, and see what God's going to do this year. Uh, so please turn your Bibles over to Romans chapter 8, and we'll begin our lesson for today. You know, last year we talked about faith. This year our theme is transformation through the Spirit. Uh, Transformation through the Spirit, transformation by the Spirit, transformation from the Spirit. You choose whichever word you want there. It all applies. It all works. Uh, This is a really exciting, exciting topic. We talked about it Wednesday already. Uh, We're going to continue talking about it Wednesday. What's cool this year is we're going to do something a little different. For our Sundays and Wednesdays. So instead of preaching on something Sundays and Wednesdays that are going to be different topics, we're going to preach the same thing Wednesday, but just do it a, a little bit more practically and a little bit more with emphasis on application. So we'll talk about it today. Wednesday, we're going to follow up with the same thing, but to be able to flip into small groups, have more discussion, talk about how can we live it out. Okay, we heard it, but how can we live it out? How can we put this into our lives? Uh, you know, a sermon means nothing if it does not produce change. And so we want to be able to take that to our hearts in humility and actually change and not just fill our, our, ears, uh, our itching ears with words we want to hear, uh, as, as Timothy tells us, but rather to really let it manifest itself into change, which is by far the hardest part, right? I mean, it's so easy to come and listen, and as a guy who grew up in the church, I could easily do anything you asked me to do spiritually. I could preach a sermon. I could give a lesson. I could, I could you know, be super nice and give a hug and put, put up a smile, but my heart, my heart for a long time, uh, it was jaded, it was uh, worldly, it was, I, was, I was duplicitous, and so by far, change is the hardest part, and so this year, uh, prayerfully, uh, even if we're just focusing on one thing all year, the goal is that a year from now, uh, those of us that are disciples, we're actually more mature in our faith, uh, our marriages are, are, are more like, uh, like Christ wants them to be, our parenting's more uh, in, reflected in the image of God, so that we're going to grow, grow, grow more and more from 2 Corinthians 3, right, that we are Uh, transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory day after day, more and more and more. Uh, The title of my lesson today is EAC, Equipped, Adopted, Comforted. For those of you that like Finding Nemo, it's not the East Australian current, uh, but it is the Equipped, Adopted, Comforted, EAC. We're going to talk today a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit's uh, an amazing uh, person, an amazing uh, aspect of what we're given. It's hard to understand sometimes. And so for me, in my own struggle to not understand the Holy Spirit, sadly, I've uh, uh, tried to live without his presence, tried to just do everything with, through hard work. And if I can really live out discipleship, then I can achieve this or that. I think I've really done myself and I think a lot of people around me a disservice by not striving to really understand the inner workings of the Spirit and what, uh, why God gives us his Holy Spirit which is truly amazing when we really look at it. And today we're going to talk a little bit about that Holy Spirit. Because if the goal is transformation, 
And it is. Sometimes we think the goal is salvation. Uh, it's not so much the case. Uh, we're saved by the grace of God as we continue. Becoming a disciple is the beginning of our walk, not the end of anything, except for the, you know, uh, uh, sin reigned in our mortal bodies. But rather, our baptism is the beginning of our transformation. And so many times, what do we see? And we've all been there. For those of us that are disciples this morning, uh, this is going to apply to us. If you're not a disciple, I'm sorry, none of this applies to you. I still think you should listen because I want, you know, I want you to become a disciple. God, more than me, way more than me, wants you to become a disciple. But this, for those of us that are disciples this morning, we made that decision to come to God. Uh, and I remember after my baptism, I was 14 years old, Los Angeles Church of Christ. Uh, and I, I remember thinking, like, I was like, man, maybe if I get baptized afterwards, I'll feel like super energetic. Or I'll have an extra burst of energy. Or I'll smile more, maybe. Or, or perhaps, you know, people will be mean to me, but I'll just you know, glance off my back. And I'll just be, and I'll just sort of this sort of magic, uh, you know. And I remember thinking afterwards, like, I don't, I don't feel like any different, but maybe it'll come later. Maybe if I wait a few days, I'll start to feel, feel different in things. And one of the biggest mistakes we make about the Spirit is it's not something we feel. You don't feel the Spirit. Uh, you follow the Spirit. Uh, and so a lot of times in our Christian world, we struggle because we're like, I got, I got to feel. I don't, I don't feel like it, therefore I won't do it. You ever said that? Especially teens, right? Any of us, but especially teens. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like cleaning my room, therefore I won't do it. I don't feel like being nice, therefore I won't do it. My, my feelings must precede my actions. And then we're just governed and controlled by our feelings. And, uh, and hey, hey it's a little, I think it's a little prideful for us to say, well, God must submit himself, his will, to my feelings. I, I feel like I want to date that person, therefore God must, it must be God's will. Because God would never subvert my, my will. Well, no, no, we submit to God's will. Uh, and and it, is, it is an aspect of pride, but we are all controlled by something. All of us are controlled by something, uh, whether we want to admit it uh, or not. Uh, there's a great quote by Soren Kierkegaard, the great Danish theologian. Um, he says, sin is in despair, not wanting to be oneself before God. Faith is that the self being itself and wanting to be itself is grounded transparently in God. What's he saying? Well, sin is I'm, I'm not confident to be myself before God, so I'm going to try to find my identity in something else. We all want to find identity in something. And, and, and we as people, we have such a strong desire to have worth. Uh, some people call it cosmic significance. Uh, in the movie Rocky, right, Rocky's like going to go face Apollo, and he's getting ready. And I think Adrian asks him, uh, why do you want to do this? Like, you're going to, you know, why, why? Why is it so important to you? And Rocky says, if I can do this, I can prove to myself I'm not a bum. You know, that's, that's his driving factor. Like, I don't want, I want to prove to myself I'm something. I'm worth it. And that's more or less what we want, right? In all, any endeavor, whether it's work or whether it's romance or whether it's uh, self-improvement, uh, or whether it's being a great mother or a great father or whether it's being a great friend. Whatever it is, we want so much worth from that, we actually deify that thing. That's what Tim Keller says. He says, our need for worth is so powerful that whatever we base our, our identity and value on, we essentially deify. That means we, we make it our God. One of the biggest struggles that, that we see, and I see a lot in studying the Bible with people to become Christians is this, one of them that's big is, is, is a romantic relationship. 
Because they'll do anything God says. But if it happens to abridge that romantic relationship, they're like, well, no, 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 I can't do that. That, that's, that, that boyfriend's become their God. That girlfriend's become their God. Um, and it's, it's so unhealthy. It's way too much. And it's, it, our world is rife with it. Every movie that comes out, every song we hear, if you listen to song, like every, any song, I like 80s music. I like the 80s. Every like 80s song, it seems like 80s ballad. It's like this epic, romantic, you know, emotional struggle. And it's so heavy and intense. Well, we, if we get our worth from those things, we will always inevitably be let down. We will always be let down. You know, I want to ask you this morning, what are you controlled by? For me, when I was a teenager, uh, it was. It was I wanted girls to like me. I, and even, we didn't even have to date. I just wanted them to like me. If I could just find out they liked me, I'd be like, well, that means I'm something. That means, oh, sweet, she likes me. I don't really have any interest, but nice. I feel good about myself, all right? Now I can go another week. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It was, it was unhealthy. And God actually helped me a lot by putting people in my life to give me a lot of advice on that front. But whatever it is for us, church, whatever it is for you, I want to encourage you, really think about it. What, what controls you? Peter says, uh, I believe it's 1 Peter 3. It might be 2 Peter 3. I'll have to check on it. But uh, a man is enslaved to whatever has mastered him. And this is our biggest struggle because when we became a disciple, we wake up the next day, the next year, whenever, and we realize, wow, I'm still me. Sin, sin, the Bible says, is like yeast. A little bit of a little, little bit works out the whole batch of dough, right? And so if we have sometimes years of sin, we, we wake up after the decision to follow Christ, which is awesome, the decision to get baptized and repent and have faith and grab onto his grace and all those things. But then we realize, wow, my, my sexual impurity is still here. My pride, my arrogance is still here. My, my temper is still here. And sometimes we get disillusioned. And one of two things happens. We start to become two-faced, and we pretend everything's all right to everyone else, while inwardly we're depressed, we're angry, we're, we're frustrated that we're not changing. We're not transforming like we know we should. And so we get discouraged, and we put on a face for everyone else. And this is easy to do. I've been there. It's easy to do, right? How you doing? Good. How's your marriage? Oh, it's, it's fine. How, you know, and then, all right, see you later. We didn't get deep at all, right? Or it's easy to do if someone does try to ask invasive questions, which is good. Let's, let's, we got to be willing to receive those. Then we can kind of start to pull this one. I pull this sometimes. The, you don't understand. So where do you get off trying to talk to me about my business? And our, whole, our defensiveness flares up. Our, it's our insecurity, and it's really our fear. Satan's primal weapon, his primary weapon, his, his creme de la creme, it is fear. What does Satan actually mean? It just means the deceiver, right? When we become disciples, we are given the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 22 tells us that with Paul, right? I was sent here so that you may receive the Holy Spirit and receive your, blind, your, your sight back. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're filled and equipped to do amazing things for God. And Satan's primary goal is to get you to doubt that. And I've been there. I've been there recently. Recently where I've had insecurities and fear of, Wow, I'm, I've been a Christian for 14 years. I grew up in the church. I'm 28. There's still things. I'm like, man, how, how can I still struggle with that? And then I feel insecure because if somebody asks me, let's say Stephen Dixon asked me, hey, Drew, how's that going? Then I can think, oh, I can't tell him. If I tell him, I'll, I'll be embarrassed. 
and he'll look down on me because I'm still struggling with this. So I don't tell him. And then what happens is it perpetuates. It gets worse and worse and worse. My pride gets worse and worse and worse. And sadly, God forbid, someday I fall away, or my whole life I'm just a hollow, uh, some sort of uh, pretend Christian who's not really living a life of power, not really living a life in the adopted sons of God. I'm just pretending. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a paper mache of what we're supposed to be. And we get there sometimes. We get there and we struggle. And sadly, sadly, fear tends to, to win a lot in our lives. Let's be honest. We're all afraid. I, I remember growing up as a man, I never wanted to admit, man, I'm afraid. I was like, there used to be this song. I have no idea if it's inappropriate or not. I'm so sorry if it is. I just remember one line in the song when I was a kid. It's, I ain't never scared. Remember that song? I ain't never scared. And we used to listen to that in football. And I'm like, yeah, I ain't never scared. It's not grammatically correct, but you can still like, get hype about it. You know, it's like, I ain't never. We go out and play football and be like, yeah, and get, and get excited. But in reality, because I cared so much about what everyone thought of me, I was scared. And when they didn't like me, I was devastated. When, even guys, you know, if I didn't have friendships. For guys, I wanted to be cool. That was my thing in high school. I wanted to be cool. Uh, I'm not going to actually do any of these things I talk about, but I want to be cool and pretend I do. And I just wanted to get affection and approval from everybody except God. But I could pretend at church. I could pretend all up, all, which way? I knew how to turn it off and turn it on. Uh, you know, I, I, always, I always tell this story, but the week before I got baptized, my, the guy helping me become a disciple who studied the Bible with me, Nick, he asked me to ask 10 people in the church what they thought I could repent of. What was my biggest sin? Um, so I said, sure, because I couldn't say no. So uh, I said, sure. And I asked 10 people, and I, 9 out of 10 said, I need to be more outgoing. Because at church, I was kind of just like, some of you teens are like this. And you move your mouth like you're singing, but you're not really singing. Or you're just saying watermelon. That's what I used to do. Just say watermelon, because it looks like you're saying something. And then... And I just pretend and be, try to be Mr. Cool Dude, right? And then so everyone's like, you need to be more outgoing and loving and giving. And then at school, that week, in eighth grade, I was nominated for most outgoing. And God was like, look at you, two-faced man. Look at you. I caught you. You know, and I was like, man, I'm so different at school. than I'm like, totally. That's like opposite extremes. But that's how we get, because I was so controlled by fear. I wanted to, I wanted to just at church just not... I didn't want to get anybody's attention to ask me any kind of invasive questions. If I could just get through church without anybody asking me a question, I'd be fine. Because I was afraid. John 3 says, what? Men love the darkness. Why? Because their deeds are evil. When we seek darkness, it's because we're trying to hide something. We're not being open and vulnerable. You know, God interrupts our lives with his gospel. Not a gospel of how do I get saved. It's just self, selfish. The whole thing is selfish. It's a gospel of how can I be more like Christ? How can I be transformed into the imago Dei, the image of God? What can I do to be more and more like Christ? That is a gospel that excites us and encourages us. If it's a gospel of just what can I receive, of course it's going to fail. Of course it's going to be it's going to be about you. And then when your husband doesn't repent, you're going to be angry. Man, he's, he, God, told, my life's not easier since I became a Christian. It's just it's worse now. Or it's, uh, I didn't get this. I didn't get that. My kids are being all over the place. They're disobedient. My job is this. You know, I, no one really wants to hear about Jesus, so I stopped sharing my faith. And we just complain and complain because we're like, what? I, I, don't, I didn't get what I wanted. But we've missed the, 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 the meat and potatoes of what the gospel is. It's transformation. And when God interrupts our lives with his gospel, we have the decision to, to cease to be ruled by sin 
and self and rather be transformed into the image of God. You know, Satan, he comes at us with fear. He attacks us. We don't like to feel this way, but sometimes we feel this, right? I can't do it. Why don't you share your faith? Why don't you reach out to people about studying the Bible or coming to church? Well, I can't do it. I, I'm not equipped. I don't know how, or I, I'm not cool enough, or I, I tried it before and it didn't work, or I just try to get buddy-buddy with somebody over like five or six or 20 years, and then if I feel good, I'll, I'll ask them to study the Bible after we become good friends. That's just my style. Or, but we, we're ruled by fear. Sometimes we say, I don't belong. I don't belong at church because those guys, they all like board games, and I don't like board games, and I don't fit in, or all those guys are, all they do is like talk about sports, or all those girls are, you know, they're also well off, and I'm not well off like them, and I don't fit in. And so Satan attacks us with, you're not equipped and you don't fit in. You don't have enough. We all feel that. We also are attacked with, with, with pain. Satan accuses us. Even in, even in a victory. You ever had a victory, but you're still negative about it? Like, you just shared your faith, you know, with somebody. Or let's say your child just really had a great moment of righteousness. They really actually chose to do what's righteous instead of, what, I don't know, something. But we're still negative about it. Or we're like, well, they're just going to do it again next week. Or they'll probably fail. Or I'm just going to, we just get negative. Yeah. And it's like, why are we, there's a victory but we're being accused and accused and accused, and then we start to blame God, and then we leave, and then just things start to fall apart. We're missing the point. We're missing the point, church. What can help us? What can guide us? And it's not really a question of what, but of who. God has sent us exactly what we need. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14. You know, I've been really obsessed with a lot of you guys know this. I, I, it's been, you know, Hamilton mania, right? I really like Hamilton. So I, I bought the book, which is a monster book, by the way. The biography is 800 pages. But I decided I'm going to read it. So I'm almost done. But it's really interesting because Hamilton was born out of wedlock. Uh, he was born illegitimately. And what's interesting about back then is I didn't know this, but like, there was actually a legislation that he lobbied for to try to stop, to try to make it punishable by law for mothers to kill their illegitimate kids. Because when a mother would have a kid illegitimately, that means born out of wedlock, they would have no rights. And so their life would be, would be worthless. It would be, they would be made fun of. It would be, so moms killed their infant kids. They would kill them because they realized, I don't want them to have this life of being an illegitimate kid. And so he tried to help pass this legislation of, well, you can't do that. That blew my mind that moms would do that rather than have their kid live a life of illegitimacy. That's how much it meant to be legitimate. That's how much it meant to have rights. That's how much it meant to be, right? That's crazy to me. That's insane. And Hamilton, as much as he accomplished in his life, uh, amazingly accomplished in his life, he never was secure. Anytime someone challenged him about being illegitimate, about being born out of wedlock, he had always challenged him to a duel. Like, like, a, like a, you know, a high-ranking politician who was in charge, pretty much ran the Washington administration, was like, fight right now. What'd you say about me? Fight. Let's do it. Back, I mean, that's what it was. He challenged like 10 guys to duels over his life, and he died at the age of 49, shot in a duel. And he, ch he kept challenging guys to duels. Like, what'd you say about me? What'd you say? But he's got all the security. He's got, he's got family. He, he's got eight kids. He's got a great wife. He's got a great job. Uh, he's, he's revered by most or a good amount in America. He's got a stable. I mean, he's got everything you think would be good to be like, what'd you say about me? I don't care. I got stuff. I got all this stuff. I got security from my stuff. But he never could overcome the fact that he, he was illegitimate. He could never overcome it. And it led to his death. After everything he did, he died because of his insecurity toward his legitimacy. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God and daughters. Amen. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Hold on right there. That's awesome. So first of all, we are all illegitimate. We're, we're, we're born of God, but we've all strayed because we've sinned, right? Anyone in here not sinned? Sweet. Amen. So we've all sinned, right? So we're all, we're all offspring of God, but we've all strayed from his path. We're all illegitimate. We're all out. We, don't have, we have no rights before God. When you stand before God, and he knows all your sins, all your sins, the stuff you don't talk about, the nasty stuff, the things that you've sort of talked about but haven't really, maybe stuff you don't even know, you, you remember that you did. When you stand before God, he has every right to, you're going to hell. You deserve it. It's not, it's not even unfair. It's fair. You've punched your ticket. God hasn't moved in, the, in eternity. We've moved. He hasn't changed the rules. This is all, it's all been here, right? So what God's done is he says, no, instead of prosecuting you and condemning you and accusing you, I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to adopt you. For those of us that know, understand adoption, it's, it's, it's not an easy process. And adoption can be difficult sometimes. It can be a difficult process. But God chooses to adopt us. This word in Greek is a legal term for adoption with full rights. So if you stood in a court and you were you know, illegitimate, you had no rights, you say, no, I'm, I'm adopted. By who? By God. It gave you everything. You were legit. You were all in. And God adopted us. And here's the thing. God knows that we're going to be like, are you serious? I don't really know if I, we might believe it now. But what about tonight when you're alone and you're angry and you have a fit of rage? What about tomorrow when you're at work and people are joking about, you know, whatever, and you, you jump in or you're, you're a coward on Wednesday? And you're, what, what about when you, because we all will fail this week. Spoiler alert. We're not going to be perfect this week. We will all struggle. But here's the thing. God knows we're going to struggle. So he says, listen, the spirit, in verse 16, bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. The spirit is going to remind you, don't worry, Miss Betty. You're a child of God. Don't worry, Bobby Pearson. You're a child of God. I got you, Landon Dorrier. I got you, Kim Bassett. You're a child of God. Add a girl. Add a boy. You're going to be all right. We got this. You know, the spirit does not attack us in those times. The spirit helps us. The spirit comforts us. The spirit equips us. That's awesome. I got to tell you, most of the times I don't feel encouraged about God. I don't listen to the spirit like I should. Now, this is not magical. We've got to encounter the spirit to be encouraged by the spirit. Amen. We have to make that choice. It's not just walking throughout the day. I happen to see in the sky and writing Romans 8, oh, the Spirit reminded me through this coincidence. It's not so much what it is. The Spirit of God is given us. The Spirit is a, a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. The Spirit of God is, is, is the Lord. We know that from 2 Corinthians 3. It's just Jesus. If you continually encounter Jesus, what are you hearing back from him? You're hearing this, that you're an adopted child of God. You have somewhere to go on Christmas. You have somewhere to go on holidays. You have someone to bring in when you're tired or hurt. Verse 17, and if children, 
then heirs. Look at that, heirs. You now get an inheritance. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. You're a sibling of Jesus. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Skip down to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You see the common theme here? We're going to mess up. You can't even pray right. (laughs) That's what it says, right? You're going to pray weird. But the Spirit's going to help you. You're going to pray angry. You're going to pray, I don't know, maybe doing something when you should be focusing. You're going to pray, but God's going to help you out. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Sometimes we pray for stuff we don't need, right? But we don't, we don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I love that. I've been there, prayed, and I, I don't know what to say. But the Spirit intercedes. I, Drew, I got this. I know you're struggling over here. You know, I know you're stutter, stuttering and you don't know what to say. God, I think this is what he means. I think, let's, I think this is what Drew's getting at. Even though he went on a walk, and he really only prayed for five minutes, but he came back after an hour to kind of give the illusion that it was really 60 minutes, but it really just five because he's insecure. Well, you know, he's going to get there. He's going to get up. He's going to pray more. He's going to be able to say what he really means. He's going to get there, God. God the, the Spirit is there. He's there to comfort, to equip. He's there to take care of us. He's there to adopt us. Verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. The NIV is a great one there, but I love the ESV here. All things work together for the good of those who love God. This is awesome. What can stand in our way, church? And I have a question for you. What is standing in your way? This year's coming up, 2017. We've just read a passage that tells us the Spirit's here to help us. You know, we know that John 16, 6 says that the Spirit's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But we also know that the Spirit's going to come to comfort you, to encourage you even when you do fail. The Spirit's going to help you pray. How's your prayer life, church? The Spirit, he's here to help you pray. There's a great Puritan quote uh, that says, It's better to have dodgy uh, doctrine but a vibrant prayer life than dodgy prayer life and vibrant doctrine. It's like, who cares about your doctrine if you're not praying? I'm like, that, that one blew me away. Because I'm you know, all about what's your doctrine and what's your doctrine and how does it line up. And these things are, it's important, all right? I'm not saying throw it out with the, with the baby. But it's important, all right? But he's saying, listen, prayer is crucial. How's your prayer life? Are we praying? And I feel better about praying if I know I have someone interceding for me. <laughs> Help me out, spirit. We're, we're going to go pray. I don't know what's going to come out, but let's go pray. You know, it's great to pray with others. I got a chance to pray with a couple guys this morning. I felt... I always feel better about praying with others. I feel like the Spirit's there. When two or more gather in my name, there I am. But church, are we praying? God equips us with the perfect defense against Satan, the perfect weapon against our own self that beckons us toward insecure emotions, 
The perfect peace of him that adopts us into his family. The perfect reminder of who we are truly in Christ. When, when we are filled with something, you ever, you ever heard that? The person's full of himself. You're filled, right? You're filled with yourself. You're conceited. You're filled with, what are you filled with? When you're filled with something, it characterizes you. When we get baptized, we're filled with the Spirit. But we've got to make a decision to continually be filled with the Spirit. We've got to make that choice. You've got to put yourself in a situation where the Spirit can work. If I'm reading my Bible, if I'm on my way to church listening to an audio book on prayer, uh, if I'm setting up a weekly prayer time with a brother, those things are not going to make me righteous. But I'm putting myself in a position for the Spirit to work, Right? We don't want to become legalistic of how's your weekly, how's your this and that. Those things are to help us. They're scaffolding to put us in positions where the spirit can work. You initiating with somebody to have a vulnerable conversation is putting yourself in a position for the Holy Spirit to comfort, to equip, to get you set up. Have you chosen to be filled or controlled with something else? Do you get more security from your marriage, from your parenting, you know, or do you get it from who you are in God? If you have an identity in Christ, nothing, no one can touch you. That's what the subsequent scripture says in Romans 8. Nothing, nothing can get in the way of us. If you have security in Christ, nothing can get in the way. But what happens? We struggle because our marriage isn't what we want it to be. We're devastated when our kids don't do well. And we fall off because we've got too much security. And what that is, it doesn't, those things that we're going to be disappointed by each other. As great as my wife is, she's not Jesus. You know, marriage is awesome, but guess what? Those two people are not Jesus. So it's not going to be perfect. Far from it, right? It's not going to be perfect, guys. But what have you chosen? What have you chosen to, to, uh, to be filled up with besides the Spirit? But reading your Bible, praying, we talked about these practical things, but I want to encourage you. We'll talk Wednesday about it more. But putting ourselves in positions for the Spirit to work. Because when the Spirit works, it takes a lot of pressure off you. How much, how stressful is it to say, wow, I got to go baptize two people. I got to help change my wife because her attitude's a mess. I got to help my kids because they're disobedient. I gotta, I gotta get to work because we're in debt. I gotta pay some bills. I gotta stay late. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. Yeah, you're gonna be stressed out, and you're gonna fail, and you're probably gonna actually hurt your marriage by trying to fix your wife. You're gonna hurt your kids by trying to fix your kids because you cannot do it. I cannot lead this church. Spoiler alert: I cannot do it. God can do it. The Spirit will do it. He will do it. If I can get Drew out of the way then what can God do? If you can get yourself out of the way, don't be filled with yourself. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be full of yourself. Be full of the Spirit. Because if you can get, if Will Portillo can get Will Portillo out of the way, what can happen at PVCC this semester? How many people can come to Christ this semester? If you can get yourself out of the way in your marriage, how better of a husband can you actually be? Listening to the Spirit. As a parent, actually being able to see other families, whole families come to Christ. Sometimes I can be faithless about that. Like, well, I'll just find this, this one guy. You know, I'm reaching out to, to, to maybe older people, maybe people that look 
well off, maybe people that intimidate you. Well, you can't reach that person. You're not good looking or gregarious enough to do it. You know, you're not going to be able to, to get that person. You're not going to be able to court them into, into Christ, into the church, because of how cool the band is, or how flashy the PowerPoint is, or how, you know, those things, what? what? No, the Spirit, God will deliver. God will deliver this year. It's a foregone conclusion. The only question is, will you be part of it? Will you get in the way, or will you be part of it? God's already paid for the adoption. He's already brought you in. He's already equipped you. He set you up royally to do amazing things. If you simply deny yourself, oh, there it is, and carry your cross. Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said that multiple times, right? Deny yourself and carry your cross. And as amazing as the Spirit is, I want to wrap up soon. As amazing as the Spirit is, for those that are not Christians this morning, for those that are not baptized or repented, this does not apply to you. You do not have this Holy Spirit. You're not filled with the Holy Spirit. None of this applies to you. Now, as sad as that may be, oh, man, it's there waiting just beyond the horizon. All you simply do need is to reach up and grab it. Acts uh, 17 tells us that, right? God is not far from you. He simply hopes that you reach out for him and grab him. Notice he says, God's close to you, but you've got to grab him. God set it up. I want to encourage those that are not disciples. Do you want to be adopted into the family of Christ? Do you want to be equipped to do amazing things in the world? But you know what? Do you want to be transformed into God? Do you want to have the image of God? You can go live out there and try to, be, try to make lots of money and try to be influential, even to like change the world through politics or as good as those things are. Uh, it's all going to disappoint you. It's all going to disappoint you. We all know, right, you ever failed big time, but your mom or dad says, it's okay, I love you, I'm proud of you. How awesome is that? But if you succeed all the time, you never, you never hear dad or mom say it. No matter how much you succeed, it doesn't really matter, does it? And the same with God. God's embracing you. God's waiting for you simply to reach out for him, simply to study the Bible. Ask somebody today to have a Bible study, to really, really, really make a true decision to lay down your life. Like the, like the song says, right, lay my burdens down. Uh, since I laid my burdens down, I'm so happy, right, to really make that decision and become a disciple. For me, it took a while, but it doesn't have to. You're not, you're not, you don't have to be as pride, prideful as I was. But I want to encourage you this, this morning. As we go about this year, what can God do in your life? Can this room be filled with people? Can you help two, three, four, five people get to know Christ this year? Can you help your kids become disciples? Can you repent of that one stubborn sin that just seems like it's here year after year? Can you be transformed in God's kindness this year? I want to close out with a passage. Not a passage, uh, a quote. There's a great early church father named Tertullian. Uh, Tertullian says, The Lord challenges us to suffer persecutions and confess him. He wants those who belong to him to be brave and fearless. He himself shows how weakness of the flesh is overcome by courage of the spirit. This is the testimony of the apostles and in particular, particular of the representative administering spirit. A Christian is fearless. Tertullian's a guy who also said, well, actually, no, I think that was Ignatius, but 
you know, bring on the tearing of bones, the breaking of bones, the tearing of flesh, bring on the wild animals, right? Bring it on, kill me. He had no fear. And for us, we can, we can be fearless as well in regard to those are the things of the world, in regard to the things that should not control us. So my challenge for us today, church, is to know. It's not a big challenge. I just want you to know. I want you to know that God has adopted you through his spirit. The spirit is continually, as long as you encounter Christ and encounter the spirit, the spirit is continually reminding you you're adopted. Part of the family. I got you. If you pray weird, I got you. If you pray and you don't know what to say, I'm here for you. I'll back you up. Let's do it. I got you. That's Jesus. And that was always Jesus. Jesus did the same thing for his apostles. Even when they abandoned him, they denied him. They basically, one of them sold him up for betrayal. When Jesus sees them again, does he bring it up? Does he throw it in their face? He says, no, I love you guys. We got work to do. You know, Christ is the same as the Spirit. He's not going to condemn us. He's going to be patient with us. He's going to love us. He's going to adopt us into the best family that you can ever imagine, the most intimate family you can ever imagine, for a heart-to-heart relationship that will surpass all others. And for, the, for, for us who know what really changes people, heart-to-heart relationships change people. And what's more intimate than us crying out to our Father, Abba, Father, the God of the universe is your dad. What's more intimate than that? Amen, and to God be the glory.